So hello and welcome to another myhome.ie webinar. My name is James Rogers and today I'll be chatting to buyer's agent Breffney O'Kelly. Breffney is a licensed property buying agent practicing in Dublin, formerly a selling agent with D&G. She's a graduate of both IT Tala and Trinity College. Um, so I suppose first and foremost, thanks for joining us today, Breffney. How are you keeping? Um, delighted to join you, James, and thank you for having me. I'm keeping very well. I've just actually done the reverse of what most people are probably doing at the moment in that I've moved out of working from home and I've moved into an office. So right now you're seeing my new office and I'm trying to bond with it a little bit by bringing in plants and flowers and making myself feel at home because it feels a bit strange not to be having a cat jump up on my lap or sit on the keyboard and generally try to crash this call, which is what they've been used to doing. Well, best of luck with it anyway. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll have plenty of people in and out and when, when they can. Um, so look, just for people who aren't familiar with what a buyer's agent is, can you tell us a little about your job? I will. I will certainly, James. And I'll tell you firstly the services I provide and then I'll tell you how I got into the whole thing. So I find property for people to buy, also for people to rent. And then I also offer basically one hour uh, property consultations. And I'll give you some examples of each of those types of clients in due course. But maybe by telling you how I got into it, it'll give you a very good example of why I got into it and who needs buyer's agents. Yeah. So I had stopped acting as a selling agent for DNG when my daughter started in secondary school because I wanted to be there actually at home just a little bit more than I was. As I'm sure everyone who's watching this knows, if they're in the property market, you do an awful lot of evening viewings and Saturday viewings, etc., etc. And I just felt I wasn't there enough. So I left my job as a selling agent and I wasn't quite sure honestly what I was going to do next. So what happened was, um, I knew it'd be something in property, but what happened was I got a call from a guy who said, I got your number from a mutual friend. I'm separating. I need someone to help me find somewhere, firstly to rent, just to get me out of the family home quickly, and then to buy. So I said, oh, well, I can definitely help you do that, but I'm not sure what to charge you. So let me Google. What do property finder agents charge? And I'll get back to you. So I had a bit of a Google nationwide, worldwide, etc. And I came up with a way of charging, which is roughly 1% of the value of whatever he's buying. And I'll get into that in more detail. Um, and off I went. I found him a place to rent, then a place to buy. Then in turn, he referred me to another friend of his who was selling the family home. She needed a place to rent and then to buy because they were separating. And that just got me straight into what I was doing. And one client led to another. And it's not all people separating, but that was exactly how I got started. So it was actually a need from a busy barrister who just didn't have the time to spend looking on my home, looking on Daft, setting up agents, trying to evaluate, is this a good buy? Is this not a good buy? Is this a good block? Is this not a good block? He just didn't have the bandwidth to get this done. He needed help. So over the years, and I've been at this now, James, uh, three and a half years, I've really refined my process and how I work with people. So uh, I'm quite clear on the value I give and the length of time it's going to take. So if you like, I'll just quiz through some of the reasons why clients say they want to work with me and how they have found my service yeah, useful. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so just for starters, 
to have a third party to listen to your property plans and to tell you, are they going to work? And I'll just give you an example of uh, just two clients recently. One is a busy accountant in the aviation industry. She already owns a couple of properties and she's thinking, when I met her about a month ago at this point, she was thinking, would I be crazy to go ahead and buy another property close to uh, a place where my children go to school just to make my morning commute easier? Would that be a crazy thing to do? So that was the kind of thing she needed to run by me. So a third party to look at the figures, to look at what the plan was, to look at what it would cost her to execute this plan if the plan didn't work for her to get out of it how you know how what would the exit strategy be if that were to if she were to find it didn't suit her living in this place so the first thing i did for her was basically just provide a neutral sounding board to listen to her property plans and she found that useful yeah. um sorry go on no, i was just saying yeah yeah no i can imagine why it would be useful yeah and then um, other clients have said they have found it really useful to have advice on where to buy. For example, a recent client of mine lives in Australia, in Sydney, and when he came to me, he had been looking at very glamorously finished properties within his budget, and but he wasn't finding any. He was drawing on friends and family to help them with the search and it was all a bit of a long story there was a limit to how much you could ask mothers fathers sisters brothers friends to go out and look at properties on his behalf and also he wasn't really familiar with the areas and he wasn't sure if this area would be a good buy so although he had roughly all the things in place that he needed the money the inclination the friends to help him it just wasn't happening because he couldn't put the foot down properly and say to the friend, please go and view these five properties for me and give me your feedback. Because the friend was doing him a favor and also the friend may not have had um, the most useful feedback to give them if the friend wasn't used to looking at properties. So from his point of view, I steered him away from buying a very glamorously finished apartment in a no Georgian building in the north inner city. And in the end, he has gone ahead and bought a very nicely finished, not overly glamorously finished, but close to a Lewis line, a red brick terraced house that I feel is a much better use of his money than the apartment in a Georgian building, which was much more seductively finished that he had originally been looking at. So basically just advice on what's a good property for your budget and what's not. That has proved to be very useful for clients. Um, then in, in terms of advice on what features a property would have that would help it keep its value versus lose its lose its value so there are this kind of a bone structure in a good property that you will that will always hold its value and by bone structure i'm talking about things like um southwest facing garden where your garden faces south to southwest in the evening where you have side access, so you don't have to bring your bins to the house, where you are within 10 minutes, which is basically one kilometer walking distance to services, ideally also to major transport links, um, where you have no infrastructural baggage, e.g. 
no double yellow lines outside your house so that people can't park there, no bus stop outside your house so people gather there, no lampposts creating an awkward way to reverse in and out of your house. Just basic, what makes a good property and what will that, how will that property hold its value and what would make it lose its value? And all those kinds of things make a property hold its value, like right orientation, right location on a street, um, right neighbours, um, no infrastructural baggage in terms of one-way systems, double yellow lines, traffic islands, uh, schools next door, chip shops, that kind of thing. Um, also, they found me useful to help them get clear on their own preferences because often when people are buying property, they're quite full of fear. They're fearful of making a mistake. They're fearful of getting it wrong. And they're more full of fear of getting it wrong than absolute desire for getting it right. So when, we, when I take on a client, we always have a chat about what is it that they like about the house they currently live in or the apartment they currently live in? What makes them happy about it? And what brings them down every day? So really just remembering that the objective here is to buy yourself a property that suits you and your life, uh, the way you like to live, rather than, I don't want to get it wrong, I want to buy in the right place, I want to buy at the right time, I want to buy at the right time in the market, you know, just to remember, this, there isn't an objective answer written in a drawer somewhere about the right property and the right price you should pay. It's, it's a process and it starts with you learning your own comfort levels in terms of what budget you want to spend, learning your own preferences in terms of how you like to live and what makes you happy and what has traditionally made you not happy in a home, that kind of thing. So I help people get clear on their own actual preferences. And sometimes if there's a married couple, it's actually quite useful to have an independent person just for them both to talk to so they don't get stuck in a rut having the same cyclical conversations with each other. It's actually quite useful just having a third party to run everything by. Yeah. Um, and also when I take on clients, I say that I get it done in three months. So when I take on a client, I do all the anti-money laundering checks as in we sign a proper contract. They appoint me as their finding agent for a three month period. They pay me a non-refundable briefing fee of 750 euros plus VAT. And then basically the clock starts running for three months and I undertake to get the job done in three months or there is no further fee. And it's only if and when I find a property that suits them that the next tranche of my fee becomes payable. And when I say that suits them, I mean when they have been sale agreed, have had an offer accepted on that property, or if they're looking for something to rent, if they've actually been offered a lease to sign on that property. That's what I call done. Yeah. And obviously it's a, it is a very stressful time. So that's the major benefit i suppose I, mean, I know there's all the different checks but like you know as much as it's great when you actually get the keys and get moved in but the actual process particularly the renting side i'd imagine in recent years has been really stressful because we see ourselves a property comes on the market maybe and you know it's only up for a very short period of time before it is leased so it's very important to be on the ball i suppose with these things it is. And when I take on a client, like, for example, this last week, I had clients move into a lovely house on Upper Leeson Street and they're European diplomats and it was a great house. But before we ever got going on the search, I always make sure to have in place. Um, a, I ask all my clients upfront when I take them on, 
give me a copy of your current landlord's reference if you have one and in this case they did because they're renting in different European cities as she gets moved from embassy to embassy. Um, so I always ask them upfront for a copy of the landlord's reference. I also ask them for proof of funds, e.g. letter of employment confirming salary. So that if I take them on today, and I see a property that suits them tomorrow, I can straight away make our offer to the letting agent and I have all my paperwork in place. I have all their anti-money laundering documentation as in passport and utility bills, etc. So we're very quick to act. As soon as we see it, there's no hanging around of paperwork, then we move. Yeah, and obviously, like you've seen the market from both sides as a, as a selling agent, obviously now a buyer's agent, would you consider your new role sort of more rewarding? Like you, you get probably get closer to people and it's nearly more satisfactory then when, when you do get a good outcome. It is. Um, but yeah, there are a few things I love about it. You're right. One of them is that I actually have more of a connection with my clients because the way I work is we have a once a week call. I work in baskets of five properties. So we're never discussing more than five properties at any one time because otherwise you can kind of blow your mind. I do spreadsheets for them so that they have the property when it was listed, the square footage, the orientation, everything and a link to it. So that at one glance, they have a full spreadsheet with everything laid out and it makes it very easy for them to compare one property with another but but that weekly call that i have with them i love because when you're selling a property on behalf of the client you tend to just meet them at the start when you're taking the property on but then you don't really meet them thereafter you, you're chatting to them on the phone but you don't meet them or develop a relationship with them whereas most of my clients now um you know, they'd invite me out for dinner or i'd go over to like um, two weeks ago i was over at a house client's house they'd just done all the work and they'd invited me over for afternoon tea to show it to me um i have quite a lot of diplomat clients as well actually and, and they're always lovely for drinks and snacks in the evening in their new home so i do like that um and there james you said something else oh yeah and the other thing i like about it is that if i'm looking for a property for people i don't have to sell anything so what i mean is if i am looking for a property I can walk away from everything that doesn't work on behalf of a client. I'm not trying to make anything fit. Whereas if I am selling a property on behalf of a client and it's a north facing miserable property in a deep basement with not much to offer, I can't walk away from it because as the selling agent, I have to sell it. That's my job. Whereas as a buying agent, I can. So I'm never really trying to sell anyone anything. I'm always just able to clearly look objectively at any property and uh, outline the merits and the negatives of it. But I, I'm not committed to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And you mentioned there you have diplomats, but have you a typical clientele or is it a wide variety of people? Or what, what? No, well, I'll just give you a few examples of clients um, I'm working with at the moment and that I've worked with recently. So right now I have um, a client who's a busy medical consultant and he's just too busy. He, when he came to me, he was exhausted. He had just had enough of looking for properties. He just didn't have the time to go looking. He'd gone sale agreed on something. It had fallen through as a result of a bad survey and he was just fed up and he needed someone else to take the reins, basically run with it. So that's what I'm doing for him. Um, I have another client who is uh, a busy accountant. Um, so they don't have the time either to look. Now, these are all living in, in Dublin and in Ireland, so 
they could do it themselves. They just don't have the psychic or time space to do it. Um, but then I have clients who are abroad, Irish perhaps living abroad, who want to buy something that initially they might use as an investment, but ultimately they might move into themselves when they come home. So they're often in different time zones. Like for example, this afternoon I have a Zoom call with a woman in Seattle. Now that's, I think, 10 hours behind. So it's going to be impossible for her really to to figure it out if she doesn't have someone on the ground like me to advise her about neighborhoods and do all the running for her basically. So I've Irish people abroad buying for investment here. I've busy people here who don't have the time. I also have Irish people here who aren't used to Dublin. They're, they might be living in Cork or they might be living in Galway and they just don't know the terrain in Dublin and they might be buying for grown-up adult children who are going to come to college or to work up here or they may might be buying for investment and I will always have views on which apartment box to steer clear of and which areas to steer clear of etc. Yeah. So, um, oh sorry go on. Sorry. Yeah that so it is really it's people abroad um, with an Irish connection. It's also people who are part of the European floating population you know the Facebookers, the Googlers who need to come here for a year or two and find somewhere to rent. And then also Irish people. Yeah. And obviously, listen, we're, we're living through a pandemic at the moment, so maybe people coming into Ireland at the minute is maybe down on what it would normally be. But how has how COVID-19 sort of impacted you and your business? Obviously, you mentioned you've moved office, so that's obviously a positive. But, um, yeah. like, you know, has it, has it had much of an impact on you? Quite honestly, I think what I would say is I have got busier. Now, I can't really understand, but I'm a one-man band, so it doesn't take a lot for me to be operating at full capacity. So I'm not probably a good representative sample of what's happening, but I do see in the market that property prices have gone up since March. I'm sure you've seen that too. Um, in Dublin, they're up just under 3% from March prices. Supply is more or less steady. Maybe it's a little bit less. Would you agree, James? Like from what I see in the reports, we might be at maybe 10% less supply than we would have been this time last year. Would that be about right? Yeah, I suppose it is down a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what I see is like pent up nearly, a pent up demand. People who've been wanting to act now get to act. They can get out and look at those houses. And I think while they have loan approval, they're keen to use it because for fear of something else might happen in the world to perhaps put that loan approval in jeopardy. So. I think I'm seeing people full of action and ready to act and wanting to act. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's changed people's priorities maybe because I suppose we were all locked down at one point. Obviously it's still, it's not over, but I mean, we, we've a bit more freedom of movement at the moment, but there was a period there in March, April say, where we, you know, we couldn't leave our houses or we certainly we couldn't leave a two kilometer radius. Um, and it maybe changed a lot of people's thoughts on like, you know, even, we were talking there before we started recording, I, you know, I'm working from home at the moment. I'm lucky I have a home office. So, so maybe things like that become more important for people that, you know, it would have been a, a nice thing before, but not necessarily a necessity. Yeah, it's true. Um, yes, I think I probably have seen people come to me. I had a couple last week who are living in Dublin 8 and their resolution to move to the country and to start something a bit ecologically friendly and nearly a bit of a movement, um, as in 
rather than having a house in Dublin 8, which is basically jump, jump, you know, tight little site and tight little house, although brilliant location, they're thinking they might like to have something down the country where perhaps they could invite other people in to work in a co-working space where they could perhaps have more um, environmentally friendly energy sources, um, that kind of thing. So yes, I suppose some of my clients definitely are widening the search now, whereas before it would have been absolutely Dublin. Now it might be Dublin and uh, very close access to Dublin, surrounding counties, you know, Louth, Wicklow, Kildare, Meath, etc. Yeah. And, and do you think the obviously, I know you can't predict the future, but the fact that working from home is now more a thing. And I think even if if COVID, if there was a vaccine or whatever in the morning, I think, you know, it's going to probably become more and more common. Do you think that will change how people look at property as well? Because as you see, definitely, you can even see it in how properties are presented. I'm sure you see it too on my home that very often now there's a, a little desk where there mightn't have been a desk. You know, people have plumped a desk and a laptop in the photographs to show people, yes, there is an option to work from home. And some of my active clients at the moment have as a clear priority, they need to have a space, uh, either a third bedroom or a separate living space that they can use as a home office. So no doubt, but that the type of house is changing and that they need a bit more space or they need um, a space that they can use as an office and the location is changing. They don't necessarily need to be in the office every day and they're open to perhaps um, a neighboring county. Now, not all of them, they're still, I'd say, Still 70% of my clients are hardcore Dublin. That's where they want to be and that's it. But another 30% are definitely considering um, Dublin and beyond. Yeah. It's, it's nice to know, I suppose, um, as someone I, I've gone through the buying process in recent years myself, but it is a, a sort of nervous time because it's probably the biggest purchase you'll ever make or certainly one of them anyway. And yeah. you don't want to get the little things wrong. So it's nice to know there are people like you out there that can provide a service like this and, you know, guide people in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. And also it's not really the little things that you need to worry about getting wrong. Little things are okay. And by little things, I mean, um, you know, windows, bad BER ratings, etc. In my view, they're kind of little things. Yeah. The, 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 the big things you don't want to get wrong. And that is the location, the setting on the street, exactly which side of the street, the type of house, is it top heavy? Is it nicely set? Is it exposed on both sides? You know, has it got a road behind it, a road in front of it? Lots of things that people don't even think about particularly. Now, a lot of it comes instinctively, but sometimes it doesn't. And you can end up buying what I would call a bad house that will never be able to be put right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, look, if people want to contact you, uh, you have your website, brefneyokelly.ie. Um, I was on it myself this morning. It is all your services listed, but um, people are you're, you're tapping clients at the moment, no doubt. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Excuse me. What I no, was just, just saying. You're, you're accepting new new clients all the time, no doubt. Yeah, I am, and you know, it's all referral. It's all word of mouth, um, and I'd like to change that. I'd like to also be bringing in people from. Uh, I mean, I love referral business. It's obviously the most valued, but it is great to spread the word that this service exists even if it's just a one hour consultation it's just so useful to anyone to have a third party who's been in and out of a million houses or and um, lots of houses to run their ideas by yeah yeah 
Well, listen, um, thanks again for joining us today, Breftney, and best of luck in the new office. And uh, as I say, anyone looking for Breftney services, go to breftneyokelly.ie. Um, but listen, best of luck again, and uh, thanks for joining us today, everyone, and we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks a million, James. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.